Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. What's going on, Broncos country? It's Tuesday, December 10th, or Drew, December 10th, I guess you can say. And you're listening to another edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Lee, along with Jeff Ryan. Jeff, we finally get to cover not only just a Broncos win, a huge Broncos road win, two Broncos wins in a row. Uh, I got a question for you to lead this podcast off. Is this the Broncos' biggest win since Super Bowl 50? Yes, Tanner. Great question to start off an exciting podcast. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today, but I agree. I, uh, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you asked that question because um, it's – a very valid question and i i think it's a no-brainer to say yes yes it is yeah i mean you think back the past three years i mean of course in the vance joseph era you only had a 11 wins to speak of and none of them mm-hmm. were really that big maybe the his very first one on monday night football mm-hmm. against the uh, chargers um mm-hmm. and then in the 2016 the year after super bowl 50 when we went nine and seven under gary kubiak we had some nice moments yes but I don't think anything. I, I mean, we did shellac the Cowboys. Um, no, but I, I, I don't think anything compares to, uh, to what we saw Sunday. I mean, it was a road game. I, I, yeah, you have to go clear back to 2015 or maybe even 14 to find a really good road win that compares to that. I mean, we were nine to nine and a half point underdogs. Yeah, no, it was incredibly impressive. I, I can't think of a game since Super Bowl 50 that. I felt more rejuvenated and actually saw some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I felt like even that nine and seven season, you know, I was kind of holding on to hope that our defense could keep us around. But, you know, once Peyton retired, we all in Broncos country kind of felt like, you know, well, we'll, we'll just see what we have. You know, is, is Simeon the guy? Well, let's hope he is, is Paxton Lynch the guy? Let's hope he is, is Brock Osweiler going to be <laughs> the guy second time around? Let's hope he is. And the list goes on and on. We could name all six of them before Drew Locke started. And yet none of the quarterbacks gave us the feeling that Drew Locke gave us on Sunday. So No, that was the best quarterback performance, hands down, since 2015 when um, we won the Super Bowl. And Peyton really didn't have a performance that year that stacked up. Osweiler yep. had some decent performances here and there, most notably against New England at home when he knocked off the undefeated Patriots. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we got to go back quite a ways to uh, – find a quarterback performance that compares to uh, 
what we saw there on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I mean, historically, in not only Broncos terms but NFL terms, that was one of the best rookie road debuts ever. Yeah, you could argue it was the best debut ever in terms of uh, the touchdown number and yardage. Uh, he was the first rookie quarterback to throw for 300 plus and three touchdowns in a game uh on the road so in his first road start so pretty cool yeah uh, his stat line looked like this 22 for 27 which is just outstanding 309 yep. yards three touchdowns he did have one interception but like you and i were texting back and forth on sunday that's that's uh, to be expected out of a yes. not only a rookie but kind of a gunslinger mentality like drew Locke, and really through mm-hmm. two games he's only thrown two picks and yeah, five touchdowns. So that's a pretty good ratio. And th- it really is. And those were his two. Th- those two interceptions were his two worst passes to start his career. And uh, he's going to learn from those things. I mean, you're you're playing with a roster that's kind of depleted with injuries and uh, and a team that hasn't had a lot of momentum. It's not overly surprising to me that he's thrown those two picks. Um, what I've been really impressed with is, you know, the twenty-two out of twenty-seven um, is almost understated because it, those five incompletions um other than the pick the, the the pick obviously was his bad throw the four other incompletions were smart good incompletions whether they were at a, at a guy's feet when he didn't really have him or out of bounds when he was rolling out and couldn't find anybody so incredibly impressed with the decision making and on the road just unbelievable yeah i mean here going into an environment I wouldn't call it a hostile environment by any means in no. NFL terms, but against a team that was leading their division, AFC South, a team that yep. just knocked off the Patriots the week yep. before. Maybe they didn't take the Broncos very serious, and um, Broncos came out and punched them in the mouth and just got up by enough points where the Texans couldn't catch up. It was just beautiful. It was just so fun to watch, not only on offense but on defense. I mean, Kareem Jackson – what a homecoming. I don't think a player could ask for a better homecoming performance. I mean, he no. had a 70-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown to go with six tackles and an additional interception, and he had a mm-hmm. huge hit on DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. Um, he was flying around the field. Had had to be such a good feel-good moment for him. Um, I just thought everybody played pretty well. I mean, it was just like, where has this Broncos team been? And it's sad how much joy I got out of when we passed the 24-point mark. <laughs> we, we had 21 straight games where we had not <laughs> scored over 24 points. It dates back to early in the season uh, last year at Arizona, and I would have yeah. never guessed it would come at the hands of the Houston Texans. No, me neither. Me neither. And on the road, and, uh, and it seemed like you said they just came off of a dominating, really dominating performance against New England. Um. So, no, incredibly impressive. I never would have guessed, you know, in a million years. I think there's always that, you know, subtle optimism that every fan of every team has where you think, okay, you know, we got a a young guy. Let's just see what happens. But, you know, you and I both predicted before the game uh, last week that um, we were going to lose this in, you know, anywhere from the 7 to 10-point range was probably a reasonable thought, and we would be happy if we still saw some progress uh, from the Chargers game from Locke and, you know, that would be kind of the goal. But to do what we did from start to finish, it looked like a game that, you know, Drew Locke had been a Bronco for five-plus years and everything was clicking on all cylinders. It, it didn't even look like a team that had injuries or, or a team that had a coaching staff that has been very uh, up and down, mostly down this year. So just really, 
really incredible. And another point I want to make about the Texans is I think, uh, you know, the national media, and I don't know if this has been said, but I, I think the national media will probably come out and say, you know, well, the Texans just didn't show up for this one. It was a letdown after a big win against New England. And I, in some ways, there's maybe some truth to that, but I, I think um, it's important to know that I just think we played a thousand times better than them. I don't even think it's that they played that awful. I think we just got up so quick and played such good um, offense and defense that we didn't even have, we didn't even give them an opportunity to really show whether or not they were prepared. Um, whereas Minnesota, I felt like that was a true, true visual of a team that just didn't come out of the gate hots in Minnesota, uh, hot, excuse me, in Minnesota. And then, and then found a way to turn on the second half. Would you agree with that? No, I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, in the NFL, you, you gotta be prepared week to week. It's a, it's such a week to week league. And maybe this season mm-hmm. we're seeing that more so than ever. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I thought the Broncos just played really well. I thought it was huge to get that stop on the first drive of the game when uh, the Texans started driving. That kind of set the tone. And then to come out and score right away on your first offensive drive, I mean, I mean, and, and that's not unusual for the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos' point differential, they're like plus 48 in the first quarter. Is The rest of the three quarters, they're terrible. But that wasn't the case on Sunday. I mean, the second quarter was just as good. And then yep. they tied in the third quarter. The only bad quarter for the Broncos was uh, they were outscored fourteen to zero in the fourth. But um, yeah, but now yeah, going back to Drew Locke, man, he, you can tell he's just kind of revitalized and re-energized uh, this whole team. I mean, the, the <laughs> team after the game in the locker room, they just look like they're having fun. I know they're five and yes. eight, but a year ago at this time we were six and seven. But that team wasn't having fun at all. This team, no. you can see the culture's being built. I mean, yep. they're starting to get some positive momentum. They got three games left. We can just really hope for a strong ending in these last three games and carry that momentum into next year. I mean, I mean, I was saying this last night on my podcast. You look at the Broncos' offensive stars. You got a quarterback who's only played two games. He's a rookie. Your uh, both your running backs are in their second year. Your tight end is a rookie. Your uh, number one wide receiver is in his second year. Your best mm-hmm. lineman's a rookie. I mean, that is mm-hmm. huge. I mean, yeah. you can build on those guys for years and years and years to come. And it's, I don't know, man, I, all of a sudden it's just, it's almost an exciting time to be a Broncos fan again. And it sounds weird because we're talking about a 5-8 and eight team, but you can see how close they are. And on the defensive yeah. side, you add a healthy Bryce Callahan, who we never saw this year. You add a healthy Bradley Chubb. And then hopefully you can bring back Derek Wolf or Chris Harris or at least one of those guys. And... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. And and you and I have talked about this at length, that you fix the quarterback position on any NFL team, essentially NFL team, uh, any, um, and everything else resolves itself. And I think that's what you're seeing. I mean, before the Drew Locke start against L.A., I mean, we were 3-8. and eight. Everyone, you know, it was – Everyone was just so in the dumps. There was no direction. I mean, we were we were talking about a coaching staff that we were frustrated with, which we, I, you know, we still have a lot of things to to shore up and and fix within the next few years. But the direction, like you said, and the positive outlook within two games is all because, in my opinion, of Drew Locke, and it it says a lot about him. Yeah, and you know how last week uh, we were talking about all the no shows in the home game against the Chargers. That's not happening in the last two weeks. I'm pretty comfortable no. in saying. 
It's not happening. No. Especially no. if the Broncos no. can get a win this upcoming week at Arrowhead, which is yeah. going to be an unbelievably hard task. But I'm excited to see what the kid can do. I mean, he's from the area uh, against mm-hmm. a team. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming he probably grew up a Chiefs fan. I'm not 100% sure on I that. I think he has said that he did. Okay. I mean, that would make sense given yes. where he grew up and left and lived and went to college. But, uh, I mean, I think, the, I think the Broncos are going to want revenge. I mean, that's the only team that really smacked us in the mouth and absolutely dominated us. And yeah. that was, you know, for a majority of the game, they were playing without Patrick Mahomes. They were playing with Matt Moore. But, yeah. um, but uh, no, I'm excited. But let's go, let's go back and talk about Sunday's game a little bit. I mean, we already went over Drew Locke's numbers. Uh, from a rushing standpoint, Phil Lindsay had 16 carries for 51 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Royce Freeman, eight carries for 24 yards. Drew Locke did have three carries for 15 yards. It's nice to see his ability to get outside the pocket and make plays with his feet. Um, He's actually a pretty decent scrambler, in my opinion. Noah Fant had another really good game. The kid's just coming on. He's actually having one of the best rookie tight end seasons that we've seen in a long, long time. He had four catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. Tim Patrick had two receptions for 50 yards. Deshaun Hamilton, two receptions for 36 Cortland Sutton, five receptions for 34. Uh, Beck had one reception for 29. Devontae Booker, two receptions for 24 yards. Uh, Royce Freeman, two for eight. Hireman, one for eight. Lindsey, two for four. And Fumagalli, one for three. So definitely spread the ball out a ton on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I can't get over how well Locke has seen the field. Just, just from our perspective on TV, um, and even when I was at the game against L.A., the, the ability to feel or sense when the pocket is breaking down, to get out of that, um, to pick up not just his first receiver, which Flacco and many of our other quarterbacks since Peyton uh, retired have done, he, he's finding the second, third, even fourth receiver in the route tree, Um his mobility and, you know, sense to just step maybe even a half a step to, to uh, either side of the pocket to make his throw a little bit easier for himself. I just, I can't get over it in two games. I, it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's hard to tell, you know, I, I almost get the sense the kid's just a gamer. I mean, I don't know how he's looked yes. in practice leading up to this or anything. And, yes. And I know he wasn't activated till literally, a week or two ago, but I just get the sense just by how he carries himself and he, he's having fun out there, which I thought, mm-hmm. which was neat. He was, uh, he made a comment about that after the game, you know, why not enjoy the game? We all love to play. Um, I and, love that comment. And it's cool how yeah. he's, you know, they kind of nicknamed him Buzz Lightyear because he always looks at his play <laughs> sheet on his wrist. And, he, and yeah. instead of, you know, just hating it or trashing it he actually kind of yeah. embracing it and he even had a buzz Lightyear uh, touchdown celebration the other day which i thought was pretty cool and the broncos marketing team is definitely taking advantage of all that and i don't know he just seems like he i know elway praised him today on the radio said drew's played phenomenal the first two games it's uh you know easy to see why broncos country is excited about him as they should be and he said and he's handling everything great he's handling the success great the media great and just he can do no wrong right now no, he can't. And I, you know, it's Denver is a quarterback town. Uh, anybody you talk to there, like most NFL cities that, that have had success with their quarterbacks, um, are going to, that, that's going to be the focus of the conversation. And when he has flipped the momentum and, and the excitement in Denver this quickly, he is going to be uh, 
the man in town that people want to talk about. It, it's really fun. Um, I, I want to ask you one question about him, but before I do, um, I I just wanted to sit, touch on his comment about not being not coming off arrogant, but rather uh, confident, like he's having fun. I, I think that's the greatest attribute to any winning quarterback. There's no way that you get to the NFL and not have a little bit of cockiness and a little bit of an attitude. You know, the greatest ever to play the games, they all had that. They all had an ability to know how far to take their cockiness and yet how far that can go and still be a good leader. We're seeing it now with Baker Mayfield, where he's kind of the opposite of that, in my opinion, where he kind of stepped into the league and expected his success to quickly translate and that he can do no wrong and that he, you know, he deserves maybe more wins than, than they have. I don't know. That's the sense that I get um, from him. And then you see a guy like Patrick Mahomes who, man, he's pumping his guys up. He's, he's celebrating. He's, he's the perfect amount of cockiness and having fun that you want in a quarterback. And I thought we saw a little bit of that um, out of Drew on Sunday. No, that's a good point you bring up. And I'll, and I'll even be one guy, uh, you know, in the offseason before the draft, I – was on record many times saying I did not want Drew Locke because I had the impression he was very cocky with the media in college. I, I just didn't like the way he carried himself. Mm-hmm. But then the Broncos drafted him, and I don't know if it's just, you know, being a new kid on the block or what, but he just seemed to, like, his whole attitude changed. And I'm like, this guy's not Jay Cutler 2.0, at least from oh. an attitude standpoint. Um, but, he, but he sure has the talent, like, Cutler, he, he actually reminds me, I know this is a crazy comparison, but he reminds me to a young Brett Favre. I'm not saying he's going to oh, have yeah. a career like Brett Favre. It's just the young gunslinger mentality, throws off the back foot from time to time, but sometimes he mm-hmm. has to and he can do that. He can change his arm angles. He can throw it sidearm. And the kid has an absolute cannon. Um, yeah. And But, no, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, the Broncos finally have somebody who's very confident in themselves at quarterback and yeah. can be a leader, and that just – that reflects on the whole team. Yeah. And the question I was going to bring up with you is I, I think it'll be good for our listeners to have you speak to this. Um, you saw, you had a chance to see Drew Locke live when he was in college at Mizzou. And I remember um, when they played at Purdue, I remember you telling me, man, that was one of the most impressive college quarterback performances that you had ever seen live. Just talk a little bit about um, that experience and also, you know, when you saw him, did you think at that point, yes, this could translate to the NFL game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I walked out of Ross State Stadium at uh, Purdue University last year after Missouri beat them in a heck of a college football game um, that saw not only he but also uh, current Lions quarterback David Blau. They both threw for over 500 yards. It was just <laughs> fascinating to watch. But I remember walking out and telling my friend, yeah, that Drew Locke kid, he's going to be a first-round pick next year. Yeah. And I even yeah. – even, even though – I'm going to I'm going to go back on my point now because I just said I didn't want the Broncos to draft him but after that game I even mentioned I wouldn't mind seeing him in the orange and blue next year. I um, remember it well. So you could just it was just I mean I've I've been privileged to watch a lot of college quarterbacks live and I just hadn't seen a kid really with that moxie and that um, you know ability to make plays with his arm. I mean, yeah, he did have some talented wide receivers and some SEC speed, but it just 
it seemed like Purdue could just never get him off the field, which I've seen that a lot in my life, even against mediocre quarterbacks. But there was just something about him out there. It's just like this kid is really impressive. And, and, and to that point, I remember watching him on TV the year before when Purdue played him at Missouri, and he was mm-hmm. a different quarterback. He was not near as good his junior year as mm-hmm. he was his senior year. So it just showed me how much prep – in work he put in in the offseason to get there to be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC and in the country mm-hmm. last year. And I, I'm i trying not to get too far ahead of myself because it's only been two games, but, man, it sure looks like uh, John finally, after shaking that apple tree, finally got a good apple to fall. I Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's unfair to say at all. Um, and I'm glad you I'm glad you touched on the, all those points and shared that story just because uh, I do remember you feeling like man this this guy is something something different and I think with any quarterback I think any of us that watch football on a regular basis you can you can tell you can look at a guy and say yes this guy has it this guy doesn't and then there's the guys in the middle that we've kind of had some of them the last couple years where it's like you know we're big fans we want to believe they can do it they've shown some nice things but if you have a lot of questions about guys they're probably not it and with Drew Locke you know, I think just the most important thing within with two games, like you said, we can't get over our heads with this, but he passes the eye test in two games, and I don't think it's fraudulent. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it is, you know, fake or that he's that that this isn't the guy he can be his whole career. I do think what he's showing us is the quarterback that he is, and that's maybe the mo- that's maybe the most important and the only thing that matters in two two games absolutely and and to kind of even back up that statement i was i overheard my dad talking to my uncle the other day and i don't think they knew i was in the room or at least mm-hmm. close to the room and uh it was during sunday during the game i don't know if it's mm-hmm. halftime or what and he was just talking to my uncle my uncle's a colts slash bears saints i don't know both my uncle and my dad are just nfl fans and my dad mm-hmm. was talking to my uncle goes man that lock kid that denver has he he's the real deal he's pretty good and i just had a smirk yeah. kind of I'm like Ah man, it's you know I'm still not <laughs> trying to get ahead of myself, but just just yeah. thinking that we might finally have that quarterback. It's such a good yeah. feeling after this carousel of quarterbacks. It is. It really is, and it's nice to see it quickly. Um, you know, the, the the Chiefs had this this moment with Patrick Mahomes, where from the, his very first start against us in Denver, you looked at him and said, "Yep, this this guy's it. He's he's got the tools." Um, you know, it's hard to win the NFL, but he's got everything you want in a franchise quarterback, and he has proven that um, so far. So far, excuse me, in his uh, short career. So it's fun when you hit on a guy like that, and and it's taken a long time. Um, I still want to, you know, evaluate these next three games, but I I don't I don't expect Broncos country and our feelings to change a whole lot. Um, regardless of the record at the end of the year. No, and if I'm the uh, guy in charge of the pro shop there at, at, at Mile High, I'm getting some <laughs> number three jerseys in stock um, for the Detroit game because I, I heard on Twitter or I read on Twitter they didn't have any <laughs> during the Charger game, yeah. and I'm like, how does that happen? Um, I know. Because they, they, they've the been teams, online for a while. So um, the, t- the team store at the stadium and at the, uh, at the Valley, excuse me, um, did not have a single Denver Bronco quarterback, uh, active quarterback jersey for sale. So uh, 
Well, that says a lot about where this team has been. They better get a shipment of number three jerseys in because I think they will be yeah. flying off the shelves, kind of like Philip Lindsay jerseys were last year. So, yep, just my take. Yep. Um, game balls on the offense side of the ball. Uh, it has to be. Uh, I'll, I'll give one, and you can give the other because I think we're going to go with the same people. Yep. I'm going to go, of course, Drew Locke. He's got to. He's he deserves that um, just as much as the guy I think you will mention. Uh, but in your first road start. Um, just impressive 38 points to break that that streak uh the one pick was his really bad throw of the game uh that can get fixed um you know you can you can afford those mistakes when you're up by how much we were up at that point but um uh yeah drew lock for sure i'm going with the other rookie no offense um yes sir I mean, the kid the kid's proven um elway right why he took him in the first round four receptions 113 yards one touchdown um you know, I was kind of disappointed when the Broncos traded back, even though I was happy they got no fan. That was one of the guys I wanted them to get, but I really wanted Devin Bush um, that the Steelers end up taking at number 10, where the Broncos mm-hmm. originally were selecting. But uh, mm-hmm. he's showing he can be the number two option in this offense, and he can be a cornerstone at tight end for years and years to come. I'd like to see him get a little stronger, I think, or a little more physical yep. out there. Yep. But I don't know if he ever will be physical. That's something in the NFL, a lot of guys, they either come into the league physical or not physical, and they don't really ever adapt that attributes um i agree but uh i like the way he runs he's catching the ball well he's getting better and better um it's just really exciting to have a nice young uh tandem from with lock to fan i think we could get used to hearing that for many many years and and lock to sutton as well oh oh yeah no doubt and you know as much flack as elway has gotten the past few years and rightfully so um, he does deserve some credit these last two draft classes. I, I you know, I don't think that is um, – I think that's kind of an obvious statement for me to make. But I think uh, if, when you look at who he has been able to acquire in the draft the last two years, um, they are true playmakers. Um, and then you add Dalton Reisner to the mix as an early second-round pick who before the draft um, – was maybe even going to be a late first rounder. So to get him where we did was nice. Obviously to get Locke where we did was nice and all because of trades and, and falling back and getting Fant um, at the end of the first round. Those are big moves. So um, he does deserve some credit there. Yep, absolutely. And, and even a guy, a guy I, I want to also give a game ball to that we rip a lot on this podcast is Rich Gangarello. I thought that was by far the yes. best game he's called uh, since yep. he's been the Broncos offensive coordinator. Maybe he got the memo oh, I better start doing something these last four games or I might be looking for a different job. Yeah, and I was – it's so interesting. I was worried going into the game because I saw his press conference midweek that, you know, he was asked the question about, you know, whether it's a lack of being aggressive in the second half or, or what, what the issue is. And I did not like his answer at all. He said, you know, I don't think it's a lack of aggressiveness or the play calling. I, I think it's more a matter of execution. And the reason I didn't like that is because that's an answer that he's putting all the blame on his players. Um, he's He didn't answer that with, you know, I agree. I mean, it has to be I, – I would have liked him to say it has to be a whole a whole effort of me calling better plays, calling better plays at the right time, using those aggressive plays appropriately at the right time, um, and also the players executing those plays. Um, so when he makes comments like that, that kind of worries me. Uh, but, no, he, he – defied what I thought he would do and, and called a great game. The creativity was perfect. Um, you know, I, I think the seven points in the second half, I'm not going to read too much into because we had scored 31 in the first. So, you know, you're, you're going to be more conservative um, 
when you're up by that much. So I, I'm okay with that. And on the flip side of the ball, on the defense, this is a defense of the Broncos that only gave it 24 points. Like I said, 14 of them were in the fourth quarter, but the game was well out of reach by then. Held Deshaun Watson to 292 passing yards and forced him into two interceptions. Held the uh, Texans uh, just a little above 100 yards rushing. And DeAndre Hopkins did have seven catches for 120 yards and a touchdown, but he's a top five, if not a top three wide receiver in the league. The dude's just a stud. It's really hard to contain him. Uh, But looking at the defensive stats, uh, a few guys jumped out here. I thought Todd Davis had a really good game. He had 10 tackles. I know he gets uh, ridiculed for his lack of coverage skills at times, but I think he's by far the Broncos' best tackler. thought he played well. Kareem Jackson we already hit on. I mean, they have a 70-yard fumble recovery um, touchdown. Well, it's kind of a lateral to him. I don't really know what to call that, I guess. But uh, he yeah. also had a total of six tackles and an interception. Will Parks had an interception. That was nice to see. Um, but the one guy I wanted to highlight, and this guy's actually got to get my game balls, Jeremiah Atachu. Yeah, Two sacks. I like it. And I, honestly, I had to look up who that was on Sunday <laughs> because yep. I was not familiar with who number 97 was. Um, I yep. thought he did a really good job. Um, unfortunately, it looks like Draymond Jones could have been lost for the season. He sprained his ankle. He was filling in for Derek Wolf, So that's a position that somebody's going to have to step up, next man up, and fill in. And, and, and kudos to Josie Jewell for getting a sack as yep. a uh, reserve linebacker. And, and I thought Von Miller had a good game. He only had two tackles, but I thought he had pressure on Watson all day long. And it was nice to see him back on the field. Oh, no doubt. Um, pretty cool story to hear him say that, you know, he shed some tears. Um you know, before the Chargers game, knowing that he wasn't going to play uh, for the first time in 96 games, I believe you said. Yeah. Um, you know, the guy The guy cares so much. He loves being a Bronco. He loves his teammates. Um, he's more of a quiet, you know, goofy leader in a lot of ways, which which is great for the locker room. He's not a, he's not a Peyton Manning type of leader by any means, but leaders come in all forms, and, and uh, he's kind of the perfect leader for this team because he's – He's kept things as the best player on the defense and the highest paid player on the team. He's kept things um, from getting out of control. I think a lot of locker rooms would have blown up at any point in these last three or four years with the the, the uh, records that we have had. So, I, you know, awesome to see him back out there for sure. Yeah, uh, who, get, who gets a game ball from me on the defense side of the ball? I'm going to give mine to Kareem Jackson. I mean, that's kind of obvious, but he played one of the best defensive games I've ever seen by an individual player, let alone him coming back to his former team in Houston. Um, He was all over the field. I just, you know, felt like every drive he was involved in some, some sort of the action. Um, He almost had a pick six late in the second half, which would have sealed it. I think it would have put us up 45 to 10, but, um, couldn't couldn't secure that one uh, but no it was it was an incredibly impressive performance and I, I think this year speaks to Vic's greatest asset as a defensive coach I mean we have guys out there like Atachu, um, like Duke Dawson like some other guys that we've seen play big roles this year at moments I know Dawson hasn't played lately but even putting Isaac Yadam now in the starting lineup the last two weeks where we don't even know who a lot of these guys are. The National Football League definitely doesn't know who a lot of these guys are, and yet we're still one of the top defenses in the league. So that says a lot about Fangio and his scheme and his ability to coach. Yeah, and it's uh, 
it's kind of exciting to think about a potential defensive backfield next year of Chris Harris Jr. if he resigns. Yep. Uh, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, assuming the Broncos give him a contract extension, which I'm hoping happens within the next three weeks, and yeah. healthy Bryce Callahan. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. And probably I would not be surprised if we use a high draft pick, um, either first or second round on a defensive back. Yeah, I know there's a lot of pretty good defensive backs in this draft. The draft's also heavy with wide receivers, quarterbacks, and offensive line. Not that, you know, I don't think the Broncos need a quarterback. Um, I'm just, or at least hopefully not. I'm just saying that uh, that's a few positions the draft is deep in. But going back to Kareem Jackson, he's been such a huge pickup from the offseason free agency. It's hard. It, I mean, I just don't want to underestimate that or understate yeah. that. I should say not underestimate, understate that. In my opinion, Jeff, he's kind of the heartbeat of the defense. The defense yeah. kind of goes as he goes. Would you Would you agree with that? I completely agree. I think that's a great point. Yeah, he's uh, in terms of just on the field energy, he is the light to that defense, and and I that's a very astute observation. I, I love it. I agree. Uh, I mean, he he has missed a game or two this year, maybe just one game, and I I don't remember what game it was, but I remember the defense wasn't even close to what it usually is when he's out on the field and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I didn't and, I, I didn't know a whole lot about him when we got him besides that we were going to have him play corner, and we switched him to safety. Yeah. He had played corner for Houston, and we moved him to the safety position. So incredible to make a position change and have this much of an impact. Yeah. it's. I mean, he's been a bright spot to watch. He's, he's just fun to watch. He makes big yep. plays and big hits when needed in legal big hits, which is hard yep. to do now in the NFL. So. Yep. Um. Any more thoughts on Sunday's game before we hop into Week 15 games and make some picks? No, I, I think there's a lot of excitement, and I don't think it's um, you know unbiased excitement. I think it's it's very real, and I think there's a lot uh, a lot to look forward to with this roster, and with of course Drew Locke being the focal point of the last two weeks. Um, I think it's going to be incredibly important to keep that momentum into the off season because. It could be it could be fun, fun times ahead. Yes, absolutely, I agree with you. Huge road win. Hopefully, they can keep it going. I, uh, I mean, I honestly, I've raised my expectations to uh, grab at least two of these last three games. So yeah, definitely. So the end the season strong. Um, before we get into picking the games, um, I'm looking at the playoff picture right now. And if if the uh, league if the league season ended today, the regular season, the playoffs would look like this. You'd have in the AFC, you'd have the one-seed Ravens, who have already clinched a playoff berth at 11-2. The two-seed New England Patriots at 10-3. and The three-seed Kansas City Chiefs at 9-4, and who have already clinched the AFC West. The four-seed Houston Texans. The five-seed Buffalo Bills. And the six-seed Pittsburgh Steelers. But you also have the Titans right there at 8-5. and They would be the seventh seed. So that's going to be a huge game between those two teams. Then you also have the Browns at 6-7, and Raiders 6-7, and Colts 6-7. and and then in the NFC, you would have the number one seeded San Francisco 49ers at 11 and two. The Packers are the two seed right now at 10 and three. You have the Saints at 10 and three as the three seed, and they have already clinched the NFC South. The four seed is the six and seven Cowboys. The fifth seed as a wild card is the 10 and three Seattle Seahawks. The six seed is the eight or the nine and four. Minnesota Vikings, and also in the hunt, you have the Rams who are eight and five, the Bears who are seven and six, and the Eagles who are six and seven. 
you know, every other team is already eliminated from playoff contention in the NFC. The Broncos are not eliminated yet from the AFC, but they would have to have a lot happen. Um, I Are you sure of that? Yes, I am we looking at it right now. They are not eliminated. They would have okay. to win out, and I believe the Raiders would have to lose an additional game outside of the game against us. We'd have to have the Texans or Titans um, lose out. The Steelers lose out, and I think the Colts would have to lose two. I don't know. It's it's really far out there, but technically the Broncos are not eliminated yet. Okay. But but with that said, let's get into the Week 15 games. It starts off with a Thursday night snoozer, in my opinion. The 5-8 New York Jets at the 11-2 Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, not a very exciting football game. I I think the Jets are – I'm not going to – put them in the same category as the Broncos in terms of overall talent. But I do think the Jets are similar in some ways and that they do have a promising future. Um, I think Adam Gase is probably their biggest problem right now. The guy's just, I don't know. He's just kind of a goofball, but um, I that, do that's think putting they have it pretty a, nicely. Say that again. That's putting it really nicely. Goofball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, you know, they have a quarterback that they can build around. They, they have a decent defense. Um, they're not going to be far off from getting back into being a decent team, I don't think. But there's no way they go into Baltimore and win this game. I'm going Ravens. It, it has been nice to see Demarius Thomas playing fairly well for them this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I still root for him. He's always he was one of my favorite Broncos, and hopefully one day he'll be in the ring of fame. But I agree, Baltimore's just too good. Um, yeah, they are just a really really good football team this year, and they're fun to watch. Yep. Which is weird to say of a Ravens team because usually I hate watching I the Ravens because they're boring because they're all defense, but this year, they're actually really fun to watch. So. I agree. Got the 6-7 and seven Eagles, who had a big come-from-behind win in overtime over the Giants last night, really saved their season, at the 3-10 and 10 Washington Redskins. I, ugh. The, yeah. you know, I, I hate, I hate the NFC East. Hate it. I've never too. enjoyed watching it. And now this year, you got two teams at 6-7 and seven battling out for a playoff spot. I know. I heard the argument that this could be the worst division in the history of the NFL, and honestly, it might just be. Uh, I don't know. Remember that one year the the uh, Seahawks won the NFC West going 7-9? and nine, Yeah. But then they beat the Saints at home in the first round in the in the Beastquake game. But they that yeah. was the Sunday night game. They flexed the Rams, the St. Louis Rams at the time, against the Seahawks because both teams were 6-10 or um, – we're not six and ten. Both teams were uh, six and nine. Six and nine going into you're that right. game, and winner was in, and that was just like wow. Jeez. So, no, you're right. I mean, that was also a bad year. I'm glad you brought that one up because, and I don't remember how San Francisco and Arizona finished. I'm sure it was terrible um, that year, but I, you just look at all of these teams, and they're all awful. I mean, I want to believe that Dallas and Philly has some talent, and I, you know, I thought they did. I, I really thought Dallas could be decent this year. I really thought that Philadelphia was going to be good with Carson Wentz, but they they just don't look good. Carson Wentz doesn't look at all like the quarterback that I thought he could be. Um, and then you have Washington and New York, who are some of the worst teams in football. Um, I'm going to go Philly in this one. It's going to be an ugly game. Washington made it a game with Green Bay, but I'm going to go Philly. Uh, to answer your question, in 2010, the NFC West, you had the uh... – Seahawks went seven and nine. The Rams went seven and nine, but the Seahawks got the tiebreaker over them by winning that last game. San Francisco was six and ten, and the Cardinals were five and eleven. So really, it was a competitive division. It was just trash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. 
But uh, going back to this week's game, I am going with Philly as well. Uh, I just think they're too talented to lose to the Redskins. But I don't think they're – I mean, they're really banged up right now, and really they're they're not playing up to their talent. But I think they get it done with their backs up against the wall. Um, Kind of hit on this game a few minutes ago, but it's a huge game. 8-5 Houston at 8-5 Tennessee. Well, they both of these teams play each other twice here down the stretch. Um, I like the Titans a lot. Uh, I, I have them actually winning the division here, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them twice, but I'm going to go Tennessee in this one. Great minds think alike. I'm going Titans as well. Ryan Tannehill's been balling lately, and he, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Titans sign him to a relatively big deal. I know Which it sounds crazy, but he looks like he's found a home. And uh, Yeah. He's found a system that works good for him. They got a pretty good defense. They're not one of those teams that has a lot of stars. You don't hear a lot about no. their players, but they got a gritty coach. And yeah, I I, I like them to be victorious at home. Uh, this is a crap fest here. You got the three and ten Dolphins at the two and eleven New York Giants. Oh wow! Uh, I don't even know how to pick this game because both teams are so bad. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, do we, do we know if Daniel Jones is going to be able to come back for this one? You know, I heard a report they thought he was done for the year, but then Eli, last night after the game, his wife, you know, hadn't been to a game in a while. They asked him why she came. He goes, well, I hadn't played since week two. He goes, and this might be the last game I ever play. Wow. So, That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to go Fitz <laughs> Magic. Oh, and the Dolphins. Man, I was rooting so hard for them against the Jets the other day because, I know. like I said, I my know. co-host on my podcast I do on Mondays has to do the hot chip challenge if they would win six games. But somehow the Jets found a way to pull it out, and I think I think he's pretty safe now. I don't think the Dolphins are winning the next three. And I'm going to go Giants, but this is really a coin flip game. Um, then you got one of the oldest, if not the oldest, rivalry in the NFL, the 7-6 and six Chicago Bears at the 10-3 and three Green Bay Packers. The Bears have found a way to play decent football again, um, which is hard to believe. I still don't think Mitch Trubisky is the answer for them at quarterback uh, long term. He's a guy that does not pass the eye test at all. <laughs> um, but he has played better as of late. I'm going to go Green Bay in this one. They're just the better football team. It's in Lambeau. They don't lose to the Bears in, in Lambeau in this one. They don't lose to hardly anybody at, in no. Lambeau, um, especially the Bears. Yeah, I like I like Rodgers at home. It's hard to pick against him at home. 10-3 New England at 1-12 since the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, <laughs> a lot of drama going around this matchup right now with the Patriots looking like they might have cheated again. Yeah, and I, I'm hearing different reports. Um, I believe that this is going to be all nothing. Yeah, I do too, end, but how stupid do you have to be to even get yourself in this predicament again? Yeah, pretty stupid. It's not surprising in the least. It's like, you know, when I saw the headline, I'm like, oh, the Patriots cheating again. This doesn't shock me at all. Um, and and they'll find a way to spin it, and it probably is nothing, but they'll still find a way to make it even better than it is. And I don't know. It, this is this team doesn't have a lot of integrity. They, they've shown multiple times they'll do anything to win. And um, I don't know. I mean, I – they're a good football team. They're a well-coached football team. And quite frankly, I don't even think they need to do the things that they've done to get to where they're at. So it's it's just bizarre. But uh, you have to go New England in this game. Uh, Cincinnati is one of the worst football teams I've ever seen in the history of the NFL this year. Um, 
no way that New England loses this. No, Cincinnati's all in for Joe Burrow, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's going to be the Heisman Trophy. Well, yeah, he's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner this upcoming weekend, and then I think he'll be the number one pick to Cincinnati. Um, I think New England rolls. New England's got a really good defense. Their offense just doesn't look very good as of late. But one interesting thing to keep an eye on is Drew Brees is only two touchdowns back from Peyton Manning for the all-time regular season touchdowns record mm. and Brady's only three behind Drew or three behind Peyton only one behind Drew so those two are going to be going at it now week that's pretty to week cool for a while um that's that's pretty so cool that, and there's a there's yeah. a decent chance both those guys retire this year I don't see either one of them retiring you um, don't No, unless Breeze wins a Super Bowl if Breeze wins a yeah. Super Bowl I think he's done if he doesn't I think he's back for one more year yeah Brady I think he still plays, but it wouldn't shock me to see him in a different uniform next year. I would. I personally, I would be shocked. I he is Boston. I just I can't even imagine him going to another. You, team. you don't think he wants to try to win one without Bill? Maybe. I think his ego is that big. Yeah. Where does he go? Watch out for the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I think that would make the most sense. If, if they give up on Rivers. But yeah. I could be wrong. If not there, I don't know. Peter King well, tried to throw the Broncos' name in there uh, last I week. I know. But before Locke, yeah, before Locke had his uh, coming out party, all you know, Denver Radio was talking about that and D-Mac, is, you know, the New England homer that he is. And yeah, um, I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot of interesting quarterback scenarios. Carolina, they're going to try to ship Cam, so I don't know what they're going to do. you got to think yeah. Tampa Bay's going to get rid of Jameis. The guy throws five picks a game. He sucks. Um, yeah. And then um, Chargers, uh, I don't know what the Bears are going to do. I mean, there, there's some spots. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it's sports anymore. Nobody plays for the same team throughout their whole career anymore. No, and it's sad. no you're I mean, right. I mean, besides, you know, Kobe Bryant. Um we just don't see many people finishing their career with the team they started. But, yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me, I guess, to see him in his career in New England. But I wouldn't be shocked if he if he goes somewhere else either. So, Yeah, no, they're all good, all valid points. 10-3 um, Seahawks at the 5-8 and eight Panthers. Uh, I got Seahawks easy. Um, they yep. looked bad against the Rams, but I think they bounced back. Panthers have packed it in this year. They're already looking for a new coach. It wouldn't shock me if they're looking in the college levels. Um I got Seahawks. I agree. Uh, Seattle, they, you know, it's just one of those games. It's a road game. They just didn't show up on Sunday Night Football. They'll be all right. They're still one of the top three teams, in my opinion, in the NFC. Um, the NFC is really good. Uh, there, there's a lot of good teams. I, I think one through, you know, five. There, there's five teams, in my opinion, that would all be worthy of uh, coming out of the NFC and, and playing in the Super Bowl. Um so I'm it, going to Seattle on this one. It's kind of too bad that you know the NFL said they're not going to do any reseeding or looking into reseeding now, like like the right. NBA has. But you know when you when you see a team like the six and seven Eagles or the six and seven Cowboys, they don't deserve to host a team like the Vikings at nine and four or the Seahawks at ten and three. And, and I know the Broncos that helped them out and back in the, the 2011 season when we were eight yeah. and eight and played the Steelers at home, we had no business you know hosting a game. That's just how it was. But um, it is kind of too bad, but I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, no, and and you're right. I mean, it, it, it's probably not right, and I probably you know would agree that there should be a change to that. Um, 
But at the same point, I would also say that if you are the wild card, you know, you didn't win in your division. And if you finish, let's say one of these wild card teams finishes at 12 and four, which could easily happen. Both of them could finish at 12 and four. Um, then you should never lose that, that first game on the road. I know the road is really hard for any NFL team, but you should not lose that game. So valid point. Yeah. Valid point. So I can see it both ways. Six and seven Buccaneers at the three nine and one Detroit Lions. Um, Tampa Bay does still have one of the most exciting offenses. You know, even though Jameis is just absolutely hilarious to watch, I I don't know how he. I mean, I, I he's maintained his job because he throws for so many yards and touchdowns. But then, like you said, the five picks a game I don't, is I, just I, like I yell at. Him. I don't even care about the Buccaneers, and I watch Red Zone every week, and I yell at my TV, bitch yeah. him. I just don't yeah. understand why they keep him out there. Because yeah, he does throw for three or four touchdowns a game, but he throws four or five well, picks a game. God. Well, I think that argument is that you know, without Jameis on Sunday, they don't beat the Colts. Yeah, that's true. Even though the Colts, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's it's such a weird predicament. I mean, I agree that he's not the guy. You 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 have to you have to have more consistency at the position. But if you don't play him, I think they're a worse team. It's oh, they crazy. definitely are probably a worse team. I mean, it's. It's bizarre. Yeah, but you know, it's like it's kind of like the Titans were with Mariota, and they finally just gave up. But the Buccaneers yeah. don't have a backup like Ryan Tannehill. Um, no, no, they don't. That's a good point. But, um, but uh, I actually like the Lions in an upset at home because the Buccaneers are without Mike Evans now for the rest of the year. So I like that. I'm going to go Tampa Bay in this one. I, I think they find a way to win in Detroit. I. I I've said all year that I think Detroit is one of the most talented bad teams in the NFL. It's, it's, yeah, I think Patricia deserves another year, but I'm yes. not sure he's going to get it. To be honest, I, boy, I, if I'm Detroit, I, I'm keeping him around. I, I, they've had the injury bug has has killed them. You know, it's funny when you look at the NFL and what teams are patient when it comes to rebuilds and bad season, and mm-hmm. what teams are. Look at Cincinnati. How patient were they with Marvin Lewis? He yeah. should have been gone like eight years yeah. before he was. Um, Which is just weird. That's why I heard somebody saying, oh, Zach T- Taylor should be fired. I'm like, the dude's like 30 years old. He has nothing yeah. to work with. And you're talking about one of the most patient front offices in all of sports. They're going to give him time. They're going to let him draft Joe Burrow, number one. I mean, he's yep. going to have plenty of time. So yeah. it's just it's just interesting. Then you look at the Cardinals last year, and they gave Wilkes one year. So it's just, know. you know, it's just, it's just funny to look at. So. Mm-hmm. Are five and eight Denver Broncos at the nine and four Kansas City Chiefs? Um, I really want to believe that we can snap this eight game losing streak against Kansas City. You know, I've always believed that if you want to be a dominant team and be in the playoffs every year, you have got to go four and two or better in your division every single year, um, which means beating those opponents and beating them handedly. And I, we have not done that. That has not been an emphasis for this team since Peyton left. Um, and I do think that tide is turning, but I can't say that Drew Locke is going to continue this success in the Arrowhead. I'm going to go Chiefs in this one, and I'll say Kansas City 30, Denver 20. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i real close with you. I'm saying 27-17, so I'm saying a 10-point right. differential. I think Locke's going to definitely have his ups and downs. It's going to be an unbelievably tough environment for him, but I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's getting it under his belt. This year, yeah, um, yes, and then that's the, been a nice thing is two road starts will be at Houston and at Kansas City against two playoff worthy teams, yeah, in in, in yeah. decently tough environments or one decently tough, one really tough environment. And, um, so and I'll and I'll say this, I you know I'm predicting us to lose the game, um, but 
it wouldn't be, I don't think it would be that big of a surprise if we go in there and pull off a really narrow victory, like 28, 27, 30 to 28, something crazy like that. Only because the chiefs, they do have a lot to play for still in terms of seating, um, especially after beating new England, but they've locked up the West. Um, they're going to look at us like, you know, the little sister team that hasn't beat them in eight times. Um, we're coming off a big win against uh, Houston and L.A., and Drew Locke has looked really good. So it would not be surprising to me at all if we make this a close game. Yeah, Mahomes probably wants to put on a good performance since this was the team he got hurt against and didn't really get a play. But uh, but the Broncos are due. They haven't beat the Chiefs since the uh, Week 2 game in 2015 at Arrowhead when Jamal Charles fumbled and kind of gifted the Broncos that win. Um, yeah. I mean, we haven't beat them for almost five years, five whole years. So the Broncos yeah. are due, but in the end, I think the Chiefs are just going to be a little too much. But but we'll see. It's going to be fun. to. I'm excited about it. A lot more excited yep. about it than I was two weeks ago. So. <laughs> I know. Isn't that amazing? And, and how sweet would it be for Drew Locke to go back into that stadium and uh, really, really hurt them? And, and, and how interesting would it be that, you know, Houston comes off of a huge win against New England. We beat them. And then Kansas City comes off of a huge win against yeah. New England, and we if we beat them, that would be a fascinating story. Maybe maybe the football gods are on our side late in the season. Who knows? I sure hope so. So, here's a sleeper: the four and nine Jaguars at the six and seven, the reeling reeling Oakland Raiders. The Raiders are, you know, th- this is what Drew, uh, excuse me, this is what John Gruden's football teams are they're just too inconsistent they're too up and down he's too up and down in his personality and it's showing i mean they had everything basically handed to them in terms of a clear route to the playoffs and they've completely fumbled it so um i still think they're the better team in this one i think they find a way to win stay in the playoff hunt because jacksonville is that bad um but i'll go oakland in a narrow game yeah, Oakland is not finishing the Oakland Raiders era strong at all before they move no. to Vegas. They're not going to be in the playoffs unless some uh, miracle happens here at the end, which doesn't break my heart. I do agree. I do think they beat the Jaguars, though. The Jaguars just are not a good football team. I think they'll be looking for a new head coach after the year. Um, interesting note here. It's a random note. Uh, with the loss on Sunday to the Titans, John Gruden now has the same career record as Jeff Fisher. Wow. And John Gruden's getting paid $100 million. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Yep. So. It says a lot about personalities and, and what, uh, you know, this is just so Oakland. It doesn't surprise me at all. They, they, they make just, they have made stupid decisions time in and time out um, in our lifetime. And it's really quite hilarious. Oh, they are going to win because this is the last home game in Oakland. I didn't realize they are at LA next week. Than okay. at Denver, so yeah, that they're, they're definitely they'll win that one. They'll find a okay. way. I, I would think um, that'll probably yeah. be a pretty emotional game for that crowd. Um, yep. Six and seven Browns at the three nine and one Cardinals. Back to back Heisman Trophy winners. Back to back Oklahoma quarterbacks. I'm sure that's going to be in the headlines a little bit. It sure will. Um, the Browns are the better team on paper, but I'm actually going to go Arizona in this one. I think Cleveland is a complete mess. They are, you know. Not it's not surprising to me at all the position that they've put themselves in. Nope. Um, nope. Browns are gonna brown, man. Yeah, and, and you know, this this says a lot about how important ownership and front office is to a team because they went out and got guys who are just not good glue team guys that you need to win in the NFL and um talent can only take you so far. 
And uh, I really like Kyler Murray a lot. I think he's done a lot of nice things. He's surprised me more than I expected. Um, Arizona has a lot of flaws. Uh, but late in the year, this is kind of a weird game. So I think Arizona finds a way to pull this one out. I'll take Cleveland just on talent. But, yeah, they are a PR mess. OBJ looks like he wants out. He's playing injured. Baker throws their medical staff under a bus, which you never, never, never <laughs> do. And I think Freddie I Kitchens is probably going to get the axe after one year. I don't know if it's fair or not, but he probably is going oh, to. Oh, he's he's terrible. I, I remember when – I felt like when they made the hire, I, I still was like, this is going to be – this is not this is not your answer. There's just no way. And I didn't know anything about it. But just like the, the general look of him, the the, the – the image and the words that he gives off is just he's not a head coach in the National Football League, um, and he has shown that this year. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten fired yet, to be totally honest with you. There, there could be quite a few openings now looking around the league after this season, so it's going to be yeah. interesting. Nine and four Vikings at five and eight Chargers. Weird game. There will be a lot of Vikings fans. They're a much better team than the Chargers, but the Chargers played really well last week. The Chargers are that team that, you know, they have a great point differential. They're, they're not a bad football team. They should have been much better this year. Um, I'm going to go L.A. in this one in a little bit of a surprise. No, I agree. I, I picked that last night on my podcast. I This just seems like an L.A. game they win. They're going to just, just yeah. play, play the role of spoiler now to a few teams yeah. down the stretch because they're too talented not to. Um, yeah. I do think Phil Rivers retires after the year, though. I think he's done after this year. Yeah, I like that prediction. So, four and nine Falcons at the eleven and two Forty ers San Francisco is legit, man. I wanted to see them play some big games um, to kind of know what they really looked like because I, you know, the first half of the year I just couldn't, you know, really tell. I, it's not that I thought they were um, a fraudulent, you know, undefeated team when I when they were eight and zero or whatever they started. Um, it's just that I couldn't tell. I felt like. They didn't give me a good picture, but these last few weeks have told me everything I need to know. Um, they are a Super Bowl contending team, and they win this one big. Yep, I agree. They win this one easily. They won the game of the year to this point last week at New Orleans. Um, you know, I've praised Kyle Shanahan and that staff many, many times on this podcast. I, I like the guy. Uh, yeah. Still wish the Broncos would have hired him instead of Vance Joseph, but that's water under the under the bridge. But I, I like San Francisco easily. Interesting game here. Eight and five Rams at six and seven Cowboys. Pretty much a must win for both teams. It really is. Uh the Rams, this is their last shot to sneak in as um a wild card. Um they're finding their groove. Todd Gurley's finally given the ball, been given the ball a lot more the last two weeks. Uh Jared Goff. Uh, has played better these last two weeks. Um, Dallas is, uh, I, I don't even know what to make of them. They have some of the most talented offensive uh, skill players in the NFL, and they're, they're six and seven. I'm going to go L.A. I think there's going to be a lot of Rams fans there. The Cowboys um, are notorious for having a lot of away fans in that building because it's a kind of a cool place to go. I'm going to go Rams. I'm going to go Cowboys, and I really don't have a good reason to give you why. <laughs> I just feel like this That's is fine. a game they pull out. I don't know. Um, yep. I won't be rooting for them, but I think they I think they pull this one out. Interesting Sunday night game. we got the 9-4 and four Bills playing on Sunday night football for the first time since 2007 at the 8-5 and five Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, this got flexed in uh, for the uh, Chargers and – Vikings game that was the original Sunday mm-hmm. night game this mm-hmm. one is now the Sunday night game as you say 
and not one that I am really looking all that forward to. The Steelers, <laughs> the Steelers, are really not a good football team. They're finding way to, ways to win. Honestly, um, though, Jeff, I think Mike Tomlin's coach of the year right now. I agree with you. I, mean, I know it's you mentioned pretty it on, incredible with all their injuries. They're getting it, it done in tight games. I, I don't know how. It's, yeah. It is, and they're playing on their you know third string quarterback uh, who is named Duck. Duck, so I, Duck Hodges, baby. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> That says a lot. I don't, you know, I don't know the first thing about the guy, but uh, and it, no, it's impressive. I just, I don't think they're good. I, I really don't. I yeah. think this is a team that I, they've they've won the games that the Broncos couldn't win this year, and in my opinion, have the same amount of talent that we had um, throughout the year. I just, I firmly believe that. Whether it's right or wrong, that's just my own personal opinion. I don't think they're going anywhere in the playoffs if they make it. I actually don't have them making the playoffs. I think they're gonna. They're going to falter because I'm picking the Bills in this one. I'm picking the Bills too. Bills Mafia. I think the Bills get to uh, 10 wins, and they play at New England. And uh, I don't know if that's next week or – that is next yep, week. Yep, week, next week. week. 16. So that will be an interesting one. Then your Monday night to, to round out week 15, you got the 6-7 and seven Indianapolis Colts at a 10-3 and three Saints team. You think's got you got to think it's going to be a little frustrated. Yeah, I have the, I have the Saints big in this one. The yeah. Colts are a complete mess right now. Yep. Um, they've lost five of six. They should have lost to the Broncos before mm-hmm. that streak started. Um, you know, they won two impressive football games over the Texans and the Chiefs earlier on the year. But besides those two games, they've looked pretty bad. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is probably not the answer. Um, I'm going Saints. I like. I still like them a lot. Yeah, I think Saints torch them big time. Um, they seem to every time these two teams get together anyways for whatever reason. Um but, yeah, I think the Colts are a mess. I don't see them making – I mean, they, they would have to get on fire and have some stuff happen for them to make the playoffs. They can't win a close game. I agree. Jacoby Brissett is – and he's a little banged up and he's missing some some key components. I understand that. But he's regressing. I don't think he's the answer either. I think the Colts are kind of stuck. They gave him $30 million. I'm not sure they know what to do. I see a couple mock drafts have them interested in Utah State quarterback Jordan Love anywhere from the mid-first round to the second round. So that could be something to keep an eye on. But I had a Colt fan whining to me the other day that he thinks they're going to enter what the Broncos have been the last couple years in the quarterback carousel. And I I honestly said, I wish I felt bad for you because you had Peyton Manning than Andrew Luck. You had every franchise's dream when it comes to quarterback. So I don't feel bad for you. So. I don't feel I don't feel bad in the least, nope. and quite frankly, this might sound vindictive, but if the Colts go ten years without a quarterback, I won't feel bad. No, and that might be because you know I've grown up and lived in Indiana my whole life. You've lived in Indiana now a decent portion of your life, and Colt fans are kind of annoying. Just to they're a different breed. Yep. They I don't think they quite get it. I think they ride the ups and downs way too much. Um, it's a very different fan base than, than Broncos country. I'll that, say that. That's a good way to put it. Good way to put it. And I love to remind them that number 18 won his last Super Bowl in the orange and blue, not the blue and white. <laughs> I remind yes, them sir. that every time I can. So, uh, any, any last thoughts to wrap up the podcast, Jeff? No, as always, you know, we really appreciate everybody listening. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we love the Broncos. I know the rest of Broncos country does. This has been a pretty brutal, uh, four-year stretch um to be honest and um you know i i i'm just so thankful that perhaps this little bit of light can be seen at the end of the tunnel and maybe we break through this this stretch and get back to 
winning Broncos football. Um, you know, maybe the front office figures itself out and we get an ownership uh, group or an owner and maybe Brittany Bowen that can solidify things there. And lots to look forward to in Broncos country. I hope that we fill the place in week 16 and week 17, and I, I expect us to do so. I, I definitely think we can conf- confidently – confidently say that uh, bright days are ahead in Broncos country and yes. uh, it's been a great start to Drew Simber. So Yes sir. Uh, let's I keep love it. it. Let's keep it rolling Sunday at Arrowhead. Go Broncos. Go Broncos, Tanner. Orange man. I'm right here.